0: Welcome to Faith Radio. Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven to bring Christ again from above? Or who shall descend into the deep to bring Christ again from the dead? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess to thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness; and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation.
1: Welcome to Fate Radio. Right now, let's join Reverend Talks with today's message: the reality of our righteousness.
0: Good day, everyone.
1: Welcome once
0: again to our broadcast. Uh, we've been teaching on the highest kind of faith, the highest type of faith, and we're endeavoring to. Um, answer a question that what produces this highest type of faith romans chapter 10 from verse 6 to verse 10 the bible says the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise and then we set out to explain that when it comes to the faith walk that there are two sides to it there's the legal side and there's the vital side yes the vital side the dynamics of us believing god's word in our hearts and confessing god's word with our mouths you know the 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 mechanics of how faith actually operates and we need to know that but there is a basis on which that stands the reason um i can get money from a bank. You know, if you were to ask someone, how do I get money from the bank? And the person says, use an ATM card. Or the person says, use your mobile app to do a transfer or go online or write a check and and cash it over the counter and all that. Yeah, those answers are correct, but they only work if you have an account in that bank, if that account is funded, then you can go talk about how to appropriate what you have in the bank. You see, the death, burial and resurrection of Christ is the legal basis that made certain things available to us and if we're going to have a, a faith walk and a faith life that pleases the father we need to understand the significance of this and know the things that are our legal rights and privileges because of Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice. And those are the things we're looking at in talking about this highest type of faith. Uh, also we mentioned the fact that people walked in faith in the old testament people walked in faith during Jesus' earth walk but hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 says jesus is the mediator of a better covenant established upon better promises so uh, they had promises in the old testament no doubt and we have promises or you could say provisions in the new testament however uh, the promises and the provisions of the New Testament are better. So that's the, that, that's the perspective we're speaking from. That this highest kind of faith that's centered on the finished work of redemption, that's based on this better covenant, this new covenant, that Hebrews 12, verse 2 talks about Jesus being the author and the finisher of our faith. This highest type of faith, how does it work? How, what produces it? For instance, we notice in Hebrews 11, we see the hall of fame of the heroes of faith, folks who did great things for God. In the Old Covenant, we read about uh, Abel, about Enoch, about Noah, about Abraham, about uh, Isaac, about Jacob, about Joseph, about Moses, about David, about Jephthah, Samson great men of faith. But we notice towards the end of that chapter in Hebrews 11, the Bible says these all died, not having received the promise, because they without us could not be made perfect. And he now goes on to chapter 12 to say, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, eh, let us lay aside every way, the sin which doth so easily beset us. He says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, of faith because our is in italics there all the faith they walked in in the old testament in a sense pointed towards christ pointed towards uh, the substitutionary sacrifice that's the essence of it that's the basis of it that's what the whole Bible is about. It's a revelation of Jesus. The Jesus is the living word. The Bible is the written word. The written word is given to unveil to us the living word. So this faith that Jesus authored and perfected, how do we walk in it? This highest kind of faith, what are the things that produce it? So that's what we've been looking at. And we said, number one, the integrity of God's word. The integrity of God's word. The fact that, God stands back of his word to make it good in the life of Whoever will dare to act upon it, the integrity of God's word. He says what he means, and he means what he says. The word of God is living and powerful. It's quickened already. Amen. The integrity of God's word. He is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. As he said, and shall he not do it? Or as he spoken, and shall he not make it good? So we looked at that. Then we went ahead to talk also About the reality of our redemption. The reality of our redemption. Ephesians 1.7 says in whom we have redemption through his blood. Our redemption is a fact. We've been bought back. We've been freed from captivity by the payment of a ransom. And what was that ransom? The blood of Jesus. Amen. So we have an actual redemption from Satan's dominion. And it's a reality. You see, we need to feed on these truths. We need to meditate on these truths. We need to speak these truths to ourselves because we believe them in our hearts. And that's how they become a reality in our lives. Praise God. Then the third uh, thing we looked at, talking about what produces the highest type of faith, we said the reality of the new creation, the reality of the new creation. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. The life and nature of God is in our spirits. We are not barely, or merely forgiving sinners. No, we are now saints praise god we're in the family we have rights we have privileges well today we want to look at a fourth thing that will help us in walking in this highest kind of faith that will produce this highest kind of faith you know we need to feed on these truths and meditate on them and study about them believe them in our hearts and say them with our mouths and as a result walk in the reality of them and um, that's what we're looking at today a fourth truth And let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for you, our Father. Thank you for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Thank you for his present day ministry at the right hand of our Father for us. Thank you for another opportunity to study the word of God together thank you for opening the eyes of our hearts and filling us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding our hearts are proposed our minds determined we won't only be hearers of the word alone but we we'll be doers of the same as well and as a result not only will we be blessed we'll also be a blessing unto multitudes thank you father in jesus name amen with me in your Bibles to 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 and we'll look at one verse of scripture there 2nd Corinthians 5 verse 21 it says for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him you see god made jesus to be seen for us jesus knew no sin but god made him to be sin for us see jesus wasn't just a sin offering he was made sin did he become a sinner no but on the cross our sin nature was laid upon him John, the Baptist, that said of him in John 1.29, he said, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world. Amen. So he was made to be sin for us. He knew no sin. Why? So that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The believer in Christ, the new creature, has been made the righteousness of God in him. Not only are we the righteousness of God, God himself has become our righteousness. We see that in Romans chapter three, from verse 21 through to 26. God has become the righteousness of us because we have put our faith in Christ. First Corinthians 1.30, it says, "'But of him are ye in Christ, "'who of God is made unto us wisdom, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Jesus is our righteousness. He's our standing before the Father. And that's why our standing before the Father is secure, because Jesus is our standing, praise God. In Romans 1:17, the Bible says, the righteous ones shall live by faith. The more we understand righteousness, the easier it becomes for us to walk in faith. In actual fact, Righteousness is the catalyst to faith. A lack of understanding of righteousness hinders people than perhaps any other thing in the faith walk, in the Christian life. And there's such ignorance about this subject in the church world. Well, question, what is righteousness? Righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of God without a consciousness of sin, of guilt, or of inferiority. I'll say that again, righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of God without a consciousness of sin, of guilt, or of inferiority, as though sin never did exist, as though Adam never sinned, as though we have never sinned. See, that's righteousness. Man's greatest problem is a sin consciousness. It paralyzes his faith, it destroys, his ability to fellowship with the father. Remember that God told Adam in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, not to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that the day he eats of it, in dying he will die. In dying spiritually, he'll die physically. That's how it is in the Hebrew. But Adam did just that. He committed high treason. He disobeyed God. We see that in Genesis chapter three. And then we notice that God came in the cool of the day like he used to, uh, to fellowship with his man, Adam. But what did Adam do? He hid himself he hid himself, he was afraid. He felt guilty, a guilty conscience, an inferiority complex, a sense of unworthiness, a sense of not being good enough, a sense of not being able to stand before this holy God. That sense came into his spirit. And you see, through the ages, man sought how to eradicate this sin consciousness and to let man be able to fellowship with him again on terms of equality. And that's why Jesus came, so that righteousness may be restored to mankind, an unlimited righteousness. You see, When we got saved, the Bible says in Romans 10, referred to it earlier, uh, verses nine and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It says, so with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we could put it like this, with the heart, man believes, and as a result, he becomes righteous. With the mouth, man confesses, and as a result, he becomes saved. Now, what's man to confess in order to get saved? Is to confess that Jesus is his Lord. Well, what's man to believe in order to become righteous? Is to believe in his heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, why does believing that God raised Jesus from the dead, why will that make a man righteous? It's simple. Romans 4:25 says Jesus was delivered up for our offenses and he was raised up for our justification. The marginal rendering of that in Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says he was delivered up on account of our offenses and he was raised up when we were declared righteous. You see, man had sinned he committed high treason. There was the sin nature that had come into man's spirit. Through the ages, through the centuries, mankind had committed all kinds of sins. So our sin nature, as well as our sins, were laid upon Jesus. You see, our redemption is based on perfectly legal grounds. Man sinned. Man deserved to serve the punishment of his sin. And that's what Jesus did for us. So the person of the Godhead yeah. <laughs> decided to take upon himself a physical body because it would take nothing but an incarnation to redeem us. A man sold us out. A man had to buy us back. All the tests that the first Adam took and failed. The second Adam, the Lord Jesus, had to take them and pass them. But not only did he pass them, he passed them with flying colors. The devil came to meet him. He was tempted at all points like as we are, yet he was without sin because he had to qualify as the Lamb of God. And then he went to that cross and our sin nature was laid upon him. Our spiritual death was laid upon him. Our transgressions were laid upon him. He died and when he died he went to hell where he suffered three days and nights until the price was paid. Remember his deity, we're humanity. One hour of deity suffering is worth more than an eternity of humanity suffering and when he paid that price and paid it in full God looked over the banisters of heaven and said yes, it's enough He has satisfied the claims of justice. He has met the demands of the law. And then Jesus was declared righteous. And that very moment, humanity was declared righteous. The life of God was imparted into his spirit. Jesus got raised from the dead. And as a result, righteousness is now available to us, to any man who will put his faith in that substitutionary sacrifice. Now, there are some things you grow in. You can grow in faith. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 talks about our faith growing exceedingly. We can abound in love. Paul was praying for the saints at Philippi in Philippians 1, verse 9. He prayed for them that their love will abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So we can grow in faith. We can grow in love. We can grow in the fruit of the Spirit. We can grow in our understanding of the Word. But you see, we can't grow in righteousness. You are either righteous or righteous or you are not righteous. And you're not gonna be any more righteous than you are now when you get to heaven, amen. Righteousness is not a state of spiritual development that we attain unto, it's not. Righteousness is a gift, and we receive that gift whole and complete at our new birth. Romans five seventeen says for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So righteousness is a gift. We receive this gift, we receive it when we get saved. And as a result of being made righteous, we can now produce the fruits of righteousness, which are the things that we do because we're in right standing with God preaching the gospel fearlessly, getting the sick healed, using the name of Jesus, exercising authority over the devil, giving to the cause of Christ, reigning as kings in this life, living right. You see, those are the fruits of righteousness. But the reason we can produce these fruits is because we have received the gift of righteousness. We did not work for it. It's a free gift. We received it whole and complete at our new birth. Now there are three big words in the Bible. One is atonement, the other is remission, and the third is forgiveness. Now in the Old Testament, what they had was an atonement for their sin nature, as well as for the sins that they committed. To atone for means to cover. Their sins were covered. The signature was still there, but it was covered. Every year, the high priest would go, take the blood of an innocent animal and offer it on the mercy seat. And as a result, you see, that high priest was the surety of their covenant. Just like Jesus is our high priest, is the surety of the new covenant. And then for another year, they were free. From, uh, because of that atoning sacrifice. Righteousness was available in the Old Testament, but it was a limited righteousness. It was a righteousness that was merely in. To them. In the new covenant, righteousness is not merely imputed to us, it is also actually imparted to us. We have become the righteousness of God. You see, if you want to know how righteous God is, all you've got to do is to look in the mirror. If you're born again, the fellow you see in that mirror is God's righteousness, and that's you. We have become the righteousness of God. God has become our righteousness. The moment we put our faith in Christ, God God became our righteousness. So in the new covenant, when the sinner comes to Christ, his past gets remitted. It's not merely atoned for. It is remitted. It is blotted out. It is wiped out completely. You see, God never made an unworthy new creature. God never made a new creature that wouldn't be able to stand in his presence. We can't stand in his presence. Why? Because where's righteousness? Ephesians 4, 24 says, And I put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, this new creature that, we are this new man that each of us is is created like god after god in righteousness and in holiness of truth so you see you have the righteousness of god you see some people they're fond of you know speaking down on themselves christians oh i'm just a sinner saved by grace i'm just a worm of the dust I'm I'm, I'm not worthy to look upon his face. I'm not worthy to even pray that I even got saved. I should just even thank my stars. See, that's the way some people think, but that's to insult God. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. We're God's workmanship. We're his masterpiece. So don't mock God. Don't slog God. Don't cast aspersions on God by mocking the new creation that he has made you. You are righteous. You can stand in the presence of God. He does not hold your past against you. The blood of Jesus blotted it all out and it does not exist anymore. Now we can fellowship with him. James five sixteen says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Who's that righteous man? It's you your prayers avail much because you don't have a mere covering for your sins. You have a remission. They have been washed away. They have been blotted out. God does not hold them against you. He said in Hebrews 8, 12, their sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. He said in Isaiah 43, verse 25, he said, I, even I am he that blotted out that transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thine iniquities. He said in Micah 7, 19, that, That we cast their sins into the depths of the sea the rivers of forgetfulness and thank god it's put a signboard there no fishing don't go fishing in those waters those things don't exist anymore they've been blotted out now we stand without condemnation we stand without a sense of guilt we stand without a sense of shame because we have been made new creatures now someone says okay i understand that when i got saved i became a new creature but they say well Many Christians have told me this, oh, that since they've got saved, they've messed up. They've made mistakes. They've done things that they shouldn't have done. And when they've told me that, I've just told them, well, welcome to the club of we human beings who have missed the mark, who have missed it. Well, we're not proud of the fact that we did. If a fellow is born again, they don't want to do wrong. Uh, We don't want to do wrong. But sometimes, because we haven't renewed our minds sufficiently, because we still have the flesh to contend with, and the world, and the devil, sometimes. We miss the mark and make mistakes and all. Um, but when that happens, what do we do? 1 John 2 1 says that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation of not only our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. So Jesus is our advocate. Praise God. 1 John 1 9. Now, 1 John 1 9 wasn't written to sinners, it was written to the church. In 1 John 1 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the moment the believer goes and says, Father, I should not have done that, like 1 Corinthians 11, 31, 32 talks about judging ourselves that we'll be not judged. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 21, that we ought to repent. Paul talked about those who had sinned and had not repented. So the moment that believer goes to the Father and says, Father, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have done that. And uh, he uh, confesses it. He says the same thing about that sin that God says. And for one, God says it's sin. God says it's wrong. And he appropriates forgiveness for that sin. God does two things. He forgives him that sin. And he cleanses him from all unrighteousness. So, The sense of non-righteousness is removed and his sense of righteousness is restored. Listen, if you've confessed that sin to God, God has forgiven you. He's not holding it against you. The Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. The more conscious we are that we are the righteousness of God, the more we're going to live right. The more we're going to do what is right. Child of God, you are the righteousness of God. God is not condemning you. Romans 8 says, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Romans 8, 33 and 34 says, who shall lead anything to the charge of God's elect? It says, it's God who justifies. It says, who is he uh, that condemns? It's Christ that died, who is raised up and is even seated at the right hand of the Father. Listen up. If you've confessed it, God has forgiven you. There's no use living in broken fellowship. Get back in fellowship with God and walk in the reality of the righteousness of God that you are. So we have to constantly maintain our confession. I am the righteousness of God. I stand in his presence without a consciousness of sin. I am accepted in the beloved because that's the truth about us. Praise the Lord.
1: You've been listening to Ramah Faith Radio, brought to you by the partners and friends of Ramah Nigeria. We offer training in God's Word and in the things of the Spirit for victorious Christian living and success and fulfilling ministry. Go to RamahNigeria.com to find out more on how to become a student or partner of Ramah Bible Training Center Nigeria. Please call 08101166836. The number again, 08101166836. Kenneth Hagin's Rimmer Bible Training Center, Nigeria is here just for you. Experience many moments that set you free and empower you for a victorious life at Rema Nigeria. Our impactful classes and curriculum has helped thousands of people like you. Professionals, business people, those in the academia as well as those in full-time ministry to maximize their vocation and calling. Due to the current restrictions of COVID-19, if you start your training with us online now, you can complete your entire program with us online if you so desire, even after we return to onsite classes. This offer closes 30th of September. So hurry up! Enroll with RBTC today. To enroll, visit Ramanigeria.com forward slash apply online forward slash. Don't miss this opportunity to start and finish online or leave you register before September 30th. Call us today on 08101 166836. The number again 08101 166836 Kenneth Hagin's Remo Bible Training Center, Nigeria is here just for you.